Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me, if you would, please. Uh, For those of you who are new, we just do a Bible confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome to all of you watching online, everyone here today. Uh, you got an extra hour of sleep, so grumpy is not optional. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always a bizarre thing as a pastor. You always wonder why they change it on Saturday night and not Sunday. It's just always been interesting to me that that's the way it works. But anyway, here we are, uh, an extra hour of rest, and uh, it's a good thing. So starting a new series today talking about the five X factors uh, or up factors for everyone. And these are things like, uh, you know, shut up your doubts, step up your service, uh, speak up for those who can't. This is just the things in our lives that are going to help direct our lives. How many of you know that typically if you talk about something long enough, you'll believe it. If you believe it, you'll start living it. And so our, our speech is very, very, very important. Uh, I have, as most of you know, five children, and they, they're all over the country. One's in Miami, one's in Seattle, one's in L.A., and, and uh, I have two here. Matter of fact, the keyboard player is my son, and, and uh, so uh, I don't get to see all my grandkids as much as I would like. And so uh, I went to Seattle. Uh, Susan's with her daughter, and uh, so I went to Seattle to, to visit with my two grandchildren, and uh, I just got to tell you, I know why you have children young. Uh, but the most moving thing is, I think when I, you know, was raising my kids, I, I took them to church. That was a priority. It was a commitment. I never asked them if they wanted to go. <laughs> you know, we're living in a world today where, unfortunately, the children dictate much of our behavior. And, uh, and those of us growing up as baby boomers know that that was just not an option. You know, we, we did. Matter of fact, I will point out the weakness in baby builders and boomers here in a minute. But so my son uh, has a, a, a four-year-old, almost five, and a two-year-old. And uh, so every morning, you know, they, so they've got this three-story townhome. So I'm down in the bottom basement. They're up in the, at the top. And and so uh, in the mornings, I would wake up to my two-year-old looking at me like, my grandson looking at me like this, pops, and I'm like, well, I guess you escaped. And, and so I would get up, and, and one particular day, it was just me and the two of them, and so I fixed breakfast, and we hung out, and, and my son came down, and getting ready to take uh, the four-year-old, he goes to a half-day school. And so we, we got in the car, and, uh, and the two-year-old wanted to go because he wants to hang out with the guys. And so we're going to, to school, and my son said, okay, Asher, he's the almost five-year-old. It's time to do our affirmations. And I thought, this is cool. So they, they're doing these affirmations of, of, you know, it's real positive affirmations. And, and I was so proud of my son 
because uh, my affirmation was, I affirm that you are going to get up and go to school, and we ain't talking about it. And uh, I'm not saying that was the best way to raise a kid, but I, that's what I had learned. And so I'm listening to this, and I thought, this kid is getting in his head. The words he's speaking are getting into his heart. And, and life and death is in the power of the tongue, so it's very important uh, that, that we monitor the words that we speak. Now, this is very difficult because in a world that in a minute you can have your message on Instagram or Facebook and it's going around the world and it's what I call cyber vomit for the most part. Um, it, it's like people who have a thought, an expression, a pain, a hurt, whatever it might be, and immediately that goes on there without thought. And so the old saying is think before you speak because you can't get those words back. And so, you know, our faith is often measured in the religious world. And when I use the word religion, it's man's attempt to appease God. And uh, that's religion. To me, God, a relationship with Jesus is God's approval of mankind. It's his attempt to have a relationship with us, and our hearts have to open to him. And so I'm listening to these affirmations, and I'm realizing the, the, the importance and the value of, of guarding our mouths because life and death is in the power of the tongues I've already stated and that uh, Jesus didn't tell them to go stand at the base of the mountain and think mountain be moved he said go speak to your mountain obviously metaphorically some of the mountains we're facing today is people are unemployed or uh, a mountain of, of relationship problems it's a mountain so how are you going to address that mountain and oftentimes what we attempt to do is change other people into our image and likeness. In other words, if you'll act a certain way, you'll have my approval. And sometimes it means that I need to change, not you. In fact, if I don't like the way my life is going, uh, it's not up to you to make my life better. It's up to me to choose how I'm going to live my life. And so you cannot like me. You can say whatever you want. This is the beauty of free speech. And I believe in free speech. Even if you say, I don't like you, Pastor, I hate you, that's fine. You have the right to say that. You just don't know me. <laughs> there are days I don't even like me, so it's okay. But the point is, is that we need to be very intentional about the words we speak, and you'll see why in just a moment. Jesus said, speak to your mountain, say, be moved from here to there. And so oftentimes when we're having problems, we talk about the problem instead of speaking to the problem. We talk about the, the challenges in life instead of trying to find solutions to those challenges. And uh, so it's important to realize that uh, we are, if you will, to a large degree responsible for our own destiny. You can say, I grew up in, in the wrong place. I grew up in a, you know, in, in a bad time. My parents weren't good, whatever. And, and there's some truth to that. In many cases, there are people who have been abused, and that's very difficult, and that works on us. But God is for us, and if God be for us, who can be against us? And God can change the way we think. He can change everything about our lives, but, but nobody else can do that for us. And oftentimes, we're expecting other people to make our world better. And the reality is, I get to choose every day, life and death, blessing and cursing, and how I'm going to live my life. Now, I wish I could tell you that 365, I'm really good with that. But like every other human being and any other pastor that's going to be honest, we have those days, we have those weeks. God forbid that we have those months where we're struggling through things, but we do. And as a pastor, I stand up here every week, and uh, sometimes I preach things that land on people in a wrong way. And let me just inform you right now, I'm not talking about you today. I'm talking to you. 
I don't know you well enough to talk about you, and even if I did, I shouldn't. So if you think I'm talking about you today, you're dead wrong. And, and if, so if I say something that lands on what you're going through today, it's either luck or a miracle. <laughs> that, it, that maybe in some way, something I have to say today might just help you a little bit. And that is always my goal because I want to help me too. And God knows I need help. So when you pray, go ahead and mention my name. Some do. I just pray for everybody, God. No, I want you to mention my name. I don't want God to go, where is he in there, you know, and all this. So, anyway, uh, Numbers chapter 13. This, this book of Numbers 13 and 14 are two of my favorite passages because I did not grow up uh, understanding the impact of words spoken. Uh, as a, a baby boomer, we were, uh, most of the time, we were being corrected not directed and so in other words if if something was wrong I mean my football coaches would be in jail today no they didn't say you know they I mean literally I've told you many times one coach would bring a broom out to practice and you know if, if anything went wrong he would use the broom to hit our helmet Pow. and you say well that was cruel that's what it's like being a baby boomer. So for all you millennials who, somebody says anything to you like, would you please take out the trash? <laughs> you would have thought we asked you to go to Mars. You know, we, we were not. It, well, my dad never said, hey, Mark, I'd really appreciate it if you mowed the lawn. You know what I'm saying? And I love my dad. He's a great guy. But he never like did that. It was like, hey, your job this week is to mow the lawn. And then when he got home, it wasn't that he was a bad guy. He grew up in a family of 12. He didn't know what it was like. So he didn't come and say, man, the yard looks great. It's like, hey, you missed a strip. <laughs> that, that's our life. So guess what we did? We became a victim, if you will, or a person of our environment. We, we continue to live our lives the way we were brought into the world and the way we were brought up. And, and that's just normal. However, we don't have to stay there. And so you don't want to be the same next year as you were this year and this year the way you were last year. The idea is the Bible says we're going from glory to glory. And that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, I don't like to use the word evolving because then you go to evolution and all that. But the word evolving is very real. In Christ, we are growing or we should be growing. And, and people all the time, I, I got a text this weekend and I, I'm saying this kindly, but uh, I've been pastoring a very, very long time, and, and, and I, when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing, and there are still days I don't, uh, but, but I've created some boundaries that, that help me, and uh, I, I, used, I, I love to give. I've always been a giver, and, and I've always loved to help people. I, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I can't help myself, so I can help somebody else, but I got a text this past week from somebody who doesn't even come to this church, but they've known me throughout church and asked me about uh, that somebody had applied for benevolence here, and and uh, and I, I he said, he gave me their name, and I actually remembered them from when we had thousands of people, and uh, I went, uh, yeah, I remember, and he said, well, they so they told me they I, they I ran into them. This is <laughs> long story, but the guy texted me. Obviously, he's very close to me. He knows me. And he said, uh, I said, well, I remember them. They said, well, he, he texted asking for financial help. And um, 
I said, I texted him back, and I said, well, I said, does he attend church anywhere right now? Uh, and, and as he asked his church for help, well, come to find out, he doesn't attend. And here's all I'm saying, folks. Listen very carefully and don't be offended. But I, I like helping people who are doing their best to, you know, pursue God. Obviously, we have enough needs in here where that's very difficult to go outside. But he doesn't even come to church here. And, and with rare exception, would I help because we have enough people in here to help. It'd be like you feeding the neighbor and not feeding your kids. And so uh, I, I, had, I, had to, I wanted to say, you know, he could help himself in several different ways, but that would be a little uh, prejudice or prejudging because I don't know what he's doing or not doing, but I know he's not coming here. And so what I'm saying is, you know, we are responsible for our lives, and we do need help from time to time, not minimizing that. But the reality is we have to be very cautious to not take the reins from God. And many years ago, I would give to people all over the time, and God finally one day said, you're helping people I can't help. And I didn't understand it at the time, but God's saying, you have to line up with me for me to be able to help you. In other words, you have to surrender your will to me. Now, you understand, God loves everybody just the same. It's not about the love of God. It's about the obedience of man. And so if I walk in disobedience, the Bible says in, in Deuteronomy 28, here's what I'll have. If I walk in obedience to God, he said, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed coming in, blessed going out. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven. You'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And so when I look at that in Deuteronomy 28, I said, well, then what, the way for me to overcome my crises is to be obedient to God. How do I know I'm obedient to God? By having the word of God in my life. When I want to reach out and slap somebody, the Bible says don't do that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But if you grew up in a culture that didn't know that if the enemy hits you on one cheek, turn and let him hit you on the other. If you didn't grow up that way, then you're going to fight back. See, I grew up in that neighborhood. I lived one block from Fight Corner. Every day I walked home four blocks, and there was Fight Corner the block before you got to my house. You never knew what was going to happen. And, and so I, I didn't learn how to live a life using words. It was fight or be beat up. And, and so it, it's not a good way to live. And so I get born again. That was great. And the reason I got born again wasn't because I loved God. It's because I didn't want to go to hell. You see what I'm saying? And, and so initially my reason for getting born again, I did believe in God. My mother was a saint. She really was awesome. But for me, I, I didn't see my dad living it out for the first 13 years of my life. And so as a result, I loved my dad. I loved my mom. They were great people. But uh, I didn't learn the power of the word. So I want you to get this because in a lot of uh, church circles, we, we tell people if you come to church, you can, uh, and, and you believe what we believe, and you behave the way we behave, you can belong. And that's religion. See, I, I couldn't, when I, got, when I was young, I, I didn't even know what to believe, so how can I believe what you believe? So I come into the church, and I'm required to believe what they believe without knowing why they believe what they believe. So then, if I don't know how I, they believe what they believe, I'm not explained how I can behave the way they behave because I behave quite differently. I was really lost. But faith says this, come to our church, you can belong. How many of you know that that's all all of us want to do is belong? We want to belong to people that 
we trust, people that trust us, people that we can support, people that support us. And so we, the, 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 the style or structure should be come to our church, you can belong. And if somebody belongs, guess what happens? If somebody hangs around you long enough, they'll start believing what you believe or ask you what you believe. I would never, when I golfed, I used to golf a lot. And when I did, I would get paired up or be with foursomes I didn't know. And we would play 18 holes, and I would never tell them what I did for a living. It was interesting because golfers cuss a lot. (laughs) And rightfully so. Any of us are stupid enough to chase a little white ball around, and, and we're no good at it. I mean, we're decent, but, you know, a, a friend of mine played golf with Samuel L. Jackson, and Samuel L. Jackson cussed all the time. Finally, the, the, Samuel L.'s uh, caddy looked at him and said, you're not good enough to cuss. <laughs> you know, if you were really good and you shanked one, we get it, but you're not good enough. And so... I, I, I would wait till the 18th hole. Well, by the way, it's great playing with you today. Everything's been great. What do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. And they were. I said, hey, it's all good, man. You're not going to stand before me. I'm happy camper. You know, the Bible says great peace have those who love the law of God. Nothing shall offend them. People don't offend me. I just don't get offended because I've clung to that scripture in Psalm 119, 165 for a better part of 30 years because my whole family was easily offended. You look at us wrong, we're offended. What's wrong? You know, and so though people who are offended, uh, that's not the problem of the person addressing them. It's the problem that they have of receiving what's said. You could tell me anything you want to tell me. You, you can say, you know, you're, this is really weird. My, my grandson who has this gorgeous head of hair, both of them do. And so I take my cap off. He's standing behind me. He said, Pops, you don't have any hair. <laughs> and compared to him, I don't. And I said, let me tell you something, Asher. The reason I don't have hair is because I told God that my grandchildren could have it. That's why you have what you have. <laughs> I'm a sacrificial grandfather who let you have my hair. <laughs> but... You know, they're, they're, I could have been all bent out of shape or like, you know, I need to do something. No, I got a little, I'm just real thin back here and here and here. And so, but, but you know, there would have been a day in my life where I would have been all bent out of shape and worried. And I'm thinking, it's okay. See, once you become okay with your life and you address your life and you look in the mirror, even David looked at, looked at himself and said, why so downcast, oh, my soul? You know, it used to be said if somebody talks to themselves, they're crazy. And then they went, adjusted that. Well, if you answer yourself, you're crazy. I'm of, of the opinion that if you don't talk to yourself, you're crazy. You, you know, you need to speak to yourself and, and look in the mirror and go, I am created in the image and likeness of God. I'm the apple of his eye. God made me this way. God knew when I was a kid and looked like a hippie that someday that would all go away. And so, let me go to Scripture here. They gave Moses this account. We want into... uh, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. This is a great report. I mean, this is coming back to the camp. Uh, One representative from each of the 12 tribes of Israel were sent in to spy out the promised land that God told them they would have after they left Egypt. So finally, they get to the edge of the promised land. And, and, and 12 spies are sent in by Moses to see everything in the land and see what was there and see all of this. So they come back, and, and they said, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. 
Now, in one passage of Scripture, it says that they carried grapes back that were so big, they had to put them on a pole and two people carry them. So we're talking this lush land filled with fruit that was amazing, like nothing they had ever seen. Now, you would think that would be enough to cause them to go, I would give my life to live in a land that God said I could live in. But it goes south real quick. And it says, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. So it's like, okay, God, you were confused. This can't be the right land. The fruit's there, but the giants are also there. And now all of a sudden, they go from changing their vision from the beauty of God's creation and what God put there to seeing all that was around them. You can see things at the workforce. You're never going to get promoted. Or you can look around you, and before long, you talk yourself out of what Jesus died you into. That, that he said he would meet every need we have according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a promise. Now, you say, but that, that's the Bible. See, most people read the Bible as simply a history book instead of a promise book. And the Bible's filled with promise. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you always. And, and these are Scripture promises. But, but in a world, the church I grew up in, these were not known as promises. As a matter of fact, most of the time, the preacher preached sermons that scared the hell out of you. I mean, literally. And some of you are saying, he said, hell again. Hell is a location, just like Chicago. And so we created a curse word out of it for some unknown reason. But it's a location. And so we were born uh, with sin. We're, we're fallen from the gardens and now. So we're born with that. So if you will, hell has enveloped us until we say yes to Jesus who delivers us out of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And so these are promises. I was never told about the promises of God. Matter of fact, the Bible was boring to me because I didn't know how it applied to me. I thought it was a history book that applied to everybody else, but what I found out was the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever is not bound by a dispensation of mankind. His promises go all the way through. And so when I got born again, the scripture that really came to me, because I was a mess, I was coming out of drugs, I was coming out of everything else, and Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I needed that more than I ever knew, and it's still a scripture I stand on today. When you look and you say, I can't, I stop and I go, hold it. He says, I can. And nothing is impossible with God. But I have to agree with God because without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please him. So it's not that I already have it, but faith moves God. And so when I agree with God, he will not override your will, by the way. He will never do that. We have to surrender to his will for his will to be done in our lives. So many people say, why is God bad to me? God's never bad. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Anybody that goes to hell chose to go to hell and, and, and because they, they said, I don't want God. I don't need God. God still loves them, but they haven't loved God. And they haven't trusted God. So the religious world and people outside the world think, how can a good God send anybody to hell? I have to say, he doesn't. Once you hear the message of the gospel, which means good news, you have a choice to accept that. In the Old Testament, it says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. So God has empowered us to choose. And, and so uh, it also says he, he can do more than we can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that's at work in us. 
So it's not this external power once you get born again outside you. It's the power of God inside you or within you that guides you and drives you to do the, the things you're supposed to do. So I, I didn't know any of this. So when I got born again, I got born again. And, and I, I, I was so hungry for God because I, I, I was such a mess. And um, my life was so messed up. I would be at church 30 minutes early waiting for them to unlock it. I, I was desperate. And, and so... Uh, I was going to this church, and I just felt empty all the time. I thought, I loved the pastor. He was such a kind man. But, but it, it, I never, nothing resonated. I didn't connect after I got born again. And so there was this movement back in the 80s. It was kind of called the word movement, which really had a negative connotation among uh, a lot of old denominations because they were flourishing. They were growing, and, and it, there was a lot of criticism. So I found myself torn because my mother who prayed for me was in this denomination. She wasn't going to leave. That was, that was her cat's meow. That was it. But I was so hungry, I wanted to know more. And so I started attending this church. I went to, it was really weird. I was one of these, I, was, I went with some people and, and they took me to this, this, this church meeting. And, and I, I was looking for what was wrong. Because I was told these people were crazy who were talking about God's word. How many, have you ever been there? These people are crazy. They're talking like God's alive today. And I'm thinking, well, I'm interested if he is. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't know he was alive. I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. That was my frame of reference. And so after the meeting, I, I looked at these people because I'm a new Christian. I said, could you tell me what was wrong with that message? <laughs> I said, I listened, and I did nothing, you know, checked in me. So I started going to this church, and this is where I was like, wow, it, God wants me to participate in his will for my life. And a lot of people... Uh, believe that God put the earth in motion, spun it like a top, thus we have gravity, and once he did, he stepped back, and he's just letting things go. Prayer doesn't change anything. Obedience doesn't change anything. Everything is happenstance and luck. That was what I was led to believe. I had no idea that I had a role in God having a role in my life, that he said the willing and obedient shall lead to good of the land. And that if I walk in obedience to him, I will experience the blessings he's promised. So if you wonder why you haven't been experiencing those things, it's not because you're not a good person. And, and, and it may not even be any other reason other than you didn't know the promise existed. Therefore, you never received the promise. When you got born again, what you did was you received the promise that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're not saved by works, but by grace through faith, lest any man should boast. So when you get born again, that may be the, a lot of people stop right there. They never, ever again stand on the promises of God, and that is the promise of God. So whenever I start thinking I've blown it or I honk at you for pulling out in front of me, that's the reason I don't have a mosaic sticker on my car. <laughs> Driving is not my strong suit. <laughs> And so my faith is constantly challenged by stupidity when it comes to driving. But, but I've had to learn... And I've had to say, God, I know I'm involved in the blessing that comes my way. I, I, some people think, well, why does God bless them and not me? And then you get mad at God and you get mad at the other people instead of saying, I want to know what you're doing that is bringing blessing on your life. Instead, we get angry and we get offended that somebody else is getting what we want. And, and, and rather than asking them, we get mad at them. And so if you really want to grow in life, don't be offended. And, and God's not mad at you. 
God is filled with joy because the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. Well, if God was mad, you wouldn't experience joy in his presence. You'd experience anger. So God is a good God, and God wants the best for us. And, and, and God's not standing back going, well, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I don't think I'll bless Mark Crow. That's not God. he's looking at Mark Crow saying, are you willing and obedient? Are you surrendered to me? Will you put your faith in me? So it goes on to say, we even saw descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. They had detailed information of where these people were. And so rather than going in and continuing to look at the fruit and hearing the promise, they began to look at the obstacles around them. And when you start looking at the obstacles, you'll miss the opportunity. The obstacles are always going to be in your life. There will always be somebody standing between you and your promotion, between you and your blessing, and it's not intentional, and they're not bad people. They may be there to stretch your faith and help you grow in your faith. There were people I thought didn't like me, and God's like, I planted them there. I want you to grow. I want you to learn to love people with a different idea and opinion than you. I mean, uh, Tuesday is, is, is going to be weird because we have all this hate going on about who's getting elected. And you think, don't you care? Yeah, I care. But I'm casting my care on the Lord saying, God, I'm only responsible for my vote. That's all. And, and, and the hate that is coming from both sides is, is sad to me. I mean, you can ask me what I believe or what I agree with. I, that really doesn't matter. What matters is what you believe in. You know, sometimes people are looking for a voice or platform or somebody in leadership to, to, to fight your fight for you. I'm not going to do that. I'm fighting my fight for me. You get to fight your own fight. And, and I know we're sitting here with this multi, just different groups of people thinking different things. And my platform is to encourage you when you come and to help you believe no matter what happens on Tuesday, at the end of Tuesday night, Jesus is still going to be Lord. God is still going to be on the throne, and he's not surprised. So if, if it doesn't go the way you want, raise your hands and go, getting ready to be another great two years, baby. Don't lose your joy over what's going on in Washington, D.C. It's the toilet bowl of America. Anyway, so <laughs> there you go. Democrats, Republicans, or whatever else you are. Flush. So it goes on to say, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Now, this would be easy to read, thinking we're in a small group or a group about this size, but a million people are in this encampment. They've gone from Egypt, and at least a million. It says, you know, when you talk about it, it doesn't even mention the kids and women. It just mentions the men. So we got a million people, let's say, and Caleb, we got, we got this group, 12 spies go in, one from each tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel. One person represented each tribe. Guess what? So there would be representation from every tribe to go in and see what was actually in the land. Can we do this? And so we have 12 spies coming back, 10 of whom said, we, we cannot do this. This is ridiculous. There are giants in the land. There's no way we can make this happen. But Caleb steps up, one man, and Joshua was even silent, but he decided to side with Caleb, which gives him, you know, he represents the right side. But Caleb silences 
the crowd, and it says the people before Moses, he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. In 1990, I was getting, preparing to run across America, and uh, I was training at about 20 miles every day. And uh, I had a trainer that was a Boston marathoner because I needed to know how to make this work, how to breathe, how to train, and all this. So I, I, and she was also a doctor. And uh, so it was good. So I had a doctor and a, and a person that was also a runner. And uh, so I, I trained, and I trained with a, a bunch of these Boston marathoners. And, and so when, uh, when it came time for me to leave, and I would have to run, I, I was meeting... Uh, I was meeting in the White House when I got there. You don't need to go back and look at it, but it happened. And so <laughs> it was really weird because I was raising awareness, raising money to help women in crisis. And, and uh, it was just something I felt compelled to do, and I'd always liked sports. And so uh, I, I, the, right before I got ready to leave, uh, I asked the doctor, I said, you know, you think I can do this? Well, dumb question, right? It's stupid because it's too late. It's like a woman at eight months going, should I be pregnant? You are. And so, and so uh, she said, uh, well, I don't know. Because in essence, in 90 days, I would run nearly 1,500 miles. And uh, in, in that moment, I wish she would have responded differently. But I, it was like God put in my heart, it doesn't matter what she thinks or says. And it wasn't that she was being mean. She was just saying, this is going to be difficult. I'm a runner, and I get it. She wasn't, she was really great, but I knew in that moment God was saying, will you trust me? Will you trust my word to you? I didn't give this word to her. I gave this word to you. Long story short, I made it. I, I, I made it across, and I collapsed in West Virginia. I was on Thornton Mountain, West Virginia, and after I was in the best shape you could be, I was 4% body fat. I, I, I could run 20 miles and not think about it. I'd run 28. I'd run 42. Uh, God's a God of humor. I ran 42 miles one day. USA Today was still coming out in paper, so I'd run 42. I felt like, I felt like Rocky. And uh, I picked up the paper when I got back from running the 42 miles that day, which was barely picking up the paper. And, and, and there was an article in there about a guy in an ultra marathon that had run 62. I said, thanks, Jesus. Really appreciate that. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, I was ready to beat my chest, and then I was ready to duck my head after I thought, wow. But I had to encourage myself in the Lord. You have to encourage yourself. If you're having a bad day and you want someone else to encourage you and you can't find anybody else, talk to yourself. You're not crazy. David did it, and he's one of the most esteemed people in the Bible. It goes on to say, we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Now, can you imagine their voices? Ten voices are speaking to the people of that camp. How do you think these people are going to respond? Here's what we do in America. Well, if ten people say we can't and two say we can, we probably can't. You see, God's not moved by the majority of people. He's moved by the confession of a person that refuses to give up and believe him, even if it costs them their life. And so here they are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Remember the first part? They said how beautiful it was, how awesome land, flowing with milk and honey. And now all of a sudden, in a minute, they turn. 
And guess what? It wasn't their actions. Now it was their words. They have the manifestation the people do before them of big grapes and all this going on. And now all of a sudden, these people are saying no. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, and some of them from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Time out. This is the problem with many people. You've been told you're ugly, you're fat, you're short, you're this, you're that, you're incompetent, you're dumb. And what you've done is listen to people outside instead of the voice of God inside. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the apple of his eye. Nothing is impossible. You have the mind of Christ. Nothing's going to be impossible. And don't you let those voices stop you from the voice telling you you can do it. And these ten spies are spreading a bad report and million people listening. But Caleb refused to bow and quit. You're not a grasshopper, and don't become one in your own eyes. And then they start speaking for the people they hadn't even talked to, saying, and they see us that way too. I don't care how you see me or anybody else. I want you to know that you can do whatever God's called you to do, even if nobody else believes. You have to believe. And I'm going to close with this because I haven't even made it to the first point. This is my favorite I, I just, I, I just, this is the message of my life and my heart. I've been through so much hell in my life that I've determined that whether you believe, anybody believes, I'm going to do the will of God come or high water. <laughs> and, and, and I want you to do the same. Some of you have held back. Some of you have believed what some, uh, a sixth grade teacher told you. You've never let go of it. And, and you'll never amount to anything. And, and you know what? You probably ought to just go do something. And, but God put something in your heart, and you've yet to do it. I'm inspiring you today, and I'm putting a flame upon the wick of your soul and telling you God will light up your world. You say, but I'm too old to go back to college. Who said I flunked out. I, I got my degree from Oklahoma State in nine weeks. I did. Nine weeks. I learned how to be drunk all the time. So I thought, I'm finished. I'm good. I did it. So I left school because the real degree wasn't working. <laughs> And so I, I was 24, I, I get born again in my early 20s, and at 24, I, I felt God saying, you need to go back to school. And, and I'm, the, I'm, I'm the old guy in class at 24, because I'm in there with 18-year-old punks. I'm in class with the, the kids that know everything. Because after all, at 18, they're brilliant. Come on, if you have an 18-year-old, you know what I'm talking about. You don't get it, Mom. You don't get it, Dad. Really? I've got a little bit of life experience up in here. I got some young people on the second row. You listening to me? I love you, babe. I love young people. I don't understand them at all. <laughs> but I have mad love for you. I was a youth pastor for so long. And, and actually, I got demoted to become a senior pastor. Because, man, if you're touching the hearts of teenagers, I had a 1,000 kids in my youth group, and, and it, without fail, they would come in, and I still have a butterfly knife, 357 Magnum. They'd lay them down at the altar. I had gang members coming. It was scary. But I had an adrenaline rush. I was young enough to think this was fun. <laughs> now I'm old enough to know, get out. In Numbers 14, and I'll finish with this, I promise. 
I mean, it's a long landing. We're in the glide pattern right now. Okay. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Now, I don't care what decade, millennium you're living in. God is saying, I've heard you. This is what you said. You, now, this is extreme for people who have never heard this taught or the Bible taught. But the power of your words can give shape to the future of your family, your children, your own life, and your own destiny. Nothing good ever happens to us, and it won't. Why? Because you've declared it. William, where are you? Thank you. You've been quiet today. And so, and, and so it says, in this wilderness, you said, what did they declare? Well, they were complaining, saying, surely we can't take them over. They're large. It's impossible. Look, if there's a mountain stand between you and God, don't just stand there and look at the mountain. Speak to the mountain and tell it to move and get out of the way. You've got a God to pursue and a dream to live. It's a fight. The devil's not just going to roll over and die because you got saved. As a matter of fact, he's going to stand up and fight the salvation God gave you because it's more than just you going to heaven. It's about you bringing heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more. Makes me want to be a teenager again. All of you, 20 years older or more, who was counted in the census and who, who grumbled against me. This was the criteria. Not all people over 20 were going to die in the wilderness, but those who grumbled against God. Now, God's not a bad God, mean God. He's saying he set these parameters in place. Some people say, well, how could God let them fall in the wilderness? They obviously wanted to because they weren't going to go into the promised land. God said, I have provision for you across the line. And if you want provision, it's over there. But if you stay out here in the wilderness, you will miss the provision that I have made available to you because you chose not to trust me. We blame God for not doing what he said when in reality we didn't do what he said so he could do what he said he would do. I can't say that again. But, but what I've realized is if I've got issues going on in my life, it's not God's fault the issues. As a matter of fact, some of the problems God allowed to be there to let me, allow me to exercise faith that pleases him. So that my, man, the, the, my heart can grow in him. God wants us to grow. God wants us to go from glory to glory. God wants to bless you. God will never stop loving you. If you think God's mad at you because you've been extremely disobedient, stupid, and everything else, God still loves you. Well, if he loves me, why? I just told you why. Don't make this difficult. Line up with his word. Use his word. Speak his word. 
When I have trouble, I look like God. I, you guys know me. I'm richly blessed, highly favored, empowered to prosper, walking in divine health, going from victory to victory and glory to glory. But with you praying for me, I'm going to get better. I say that to myself all the time. I say, God, I'm having a tough time. God says, then make this confession. In financial challenges, as I bring my tithes and offerings unto the Lord, I'm believing for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now... The reason I remember those things is because those are life-changing for me. That God, you promised me. Started my first church with $6,000, four kids, and a lot of hungry mouths. Never been to the city in my life. And God turned it in one of the fastest-growing churches in America. And then stupid hit. And I came back. <laughs> and, and some people would say, well, why are you doing this? You know Why? Because I'm going to stand before Jesus someday, not you. And guess what? If you're mad at me, you're going to be right there by me when he says, Mark Crow, enter in my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over small things. Now I'm going to make you rule over. That's what he's going to say. It doesn't matter who likes me. It doesn't matter who. Because everybody's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and here's the thing. God has never left me nor forsaken me. I've left him. Or I tried, but he wouldn't let me. God will pursue you. There was a man who wrote a book many years ago. I like him. I knew him. It's called God Chasers. And, uh, but, but I thought, you know, I, I believed that for a while. And then I thought, no, God's pursuing me. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to earth to seek you out and seek me out. And all we have to do is turn to him. He's pursuing you. <sighs> you cannot outsend the cross. You cannot outsend the blood of Jesus. Your tenacity is not greater than his sovereignty. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you that you never leave us, even on our worst day. Even when we deny you as Peter did, you look at us and you believe in us. But, Lord, we also know that we, like Peter, have to turn to you at some point and say, God, I am here. I will preach your word 3,000 people will get born again. I'll be crucified upside down. The life of Peter is a demonstration of the goodness of God and the wisdom of Peter himself. Will we have that kind of wisdom today? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I confess and declare, I am born again because of your grace and mercy, not my works and knowledge. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, watching online or watching throughout the week on Instagram, Facebook, or on our website, I want you to know God loves you so much. And you may say, I just don't know if I can do this. And you continue to struggle. It's okay. God will be with you now in every struggle that you have, and uh, he will never leave you. So text us and let us know that you're saved. You're saved. Just text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Just put SAVED in there, okay? 